The seditious conspiracy trial is just getting underway in Washington, D.C. against five members of the Oath Keepers for their role in January 6th. Steve Baker is going to join me live. He has been covering this in depth. We're going to bust some narratives here. I'm going to show you what the corporate news narrative is today. Then we're going to jump in with Steve and show you guys what's really going on, what the corporate news is not telling you about, okay? First things first, we've got the headline from uh, the Associated Press, Sedition Trial Begins for Oath Keepers Leader. Let me bring that up on the screen. Jury selection began Tuesday in the trial of the founder of the Oath Keepers extremist group and four associates charged with seditious conspiracy, one of the most serious cases to emerge from the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol amid complaints by attorneys for Stuart Rhodes, that's him, and the others. That can't get, that they can't get a fair trial in Washington. The judge began winnowing the pool of potential jurors who will decide the fate of the first January 6th defendants to stand trial in the rare civil war era charge. Seditious conspiracy, not too often that anyone gets charged or convicted for that. Let me, uh, we're going to actually show you guys some video that Steve has, uh, that one of those Oath Keepers filmed that, uh, I don't think people have seen. And I don't think that the prosecution wants you to see, but we're going to look at that. But first let's look at how ABC news is covering this. And I'm going to get Steve's take on whether, um, ABC's speculation is correct on this. Morning. We are showing you brand new sketches from inside a D.C. courtroom. They're from the trial for Granbury native Stuart Rhodes. He's the founder of the far-right group Oath Keepers. Authorities have charged him and four others tied to that group with seditious conspiracy for their role in the attack on the Capitol. Our sister station in Washington, D.C. has been inside the courtroom for much of this case, and they say day one of jury selection was much calmer than many of the heated pretrial hearings. But this morning, the big question is what defense that group will go with. The big one that they seem to be leaning toward as a group is arguing that former President Trump uh, had indicated that he was going to invoke the Insurrection Act and that their alleged actions in preparation for January 6th were actually preparing for the former president to call them up uh, to prevent what they viewed as as an illegitimate election from being certified. Lawyers selected about a quarter of the number of jurors needed yesterday. That process should take. So jury selection is just getting started in this trial. Now I'm going to bring on Steve Baker. He's been covering this extensively. Hi, Steve. Thanks for joining me. You saw ABC covering uh, the angle that they think the defense is going to take in this. Now, these guys, I've talked to one of the members of the Oath Keeper who's rotting in jail right now. And he says, he says that they were hired as a private security group uh, to make sure that uh, speakers and family members of the people speaking on stage that day were safe. You know, the prosecution, the, the government is saying that they were trying to overthrow the government. And they're saying that the def- they think the defense is going to uh, argue that they were on standby for Trump because Trump had expressed that he wanted to invoke the Insurrection Act, saying that Biden was committing insurrection and and Trump was going to use the Oath Keepers to protect the republic. That's what ABC is guessing. What's your take on it? 
pretty convoluted because when uh, Stuart Rhodes was arrested more recently than the other guys were, and he being the leader of the Oath Keepers, he brought in this additional idea himself was prepared, in fact, to wait for Trump to declare the Insurrection Act, and then they would move into position if they needed to, to uh, defend uh, not only the VIPs, but Trump or whoever else needed to. I, I, I have a real problem with this particular defense myself because the actual Oath Keeper who I am actually working with myself and working with his defense team very closely, Ken Harrelson, um, he had nothing to do with any of this. He was actually called on the evening of January 3rd and said we and, and was told we need you to provide security for the side states. There was going to be a, a two o'clock uh, or supposed to start around noon, actually. But everything got um, got off schedule that day because Trump started an hour late. He went over time. And then, of course, we all know what happened after that. So uh, Ken was only supposed to be there to provide security for that side stage using his experience, his expertise as a former uh, um uh, army veteran, disabled army veteran. And that's all he was there for. He wasn't wearing body armor. He wasn't wearing tactical gear or helmets or any of that. And all of a sudden now Stuart Rhodes, because he had been on record in his FBI interview saying that in fact, he would have activated his guys if the insurrection act had been called by Trump, that this is kind of like, to me, is just throwing a monkey wrench in the whole thing. I'm still waiting myself to see how this is going to parse out between the legal teams because there's five different guys being tried. They all have their individual lawyers. And I'm sure they all, because each person has their own individual unique story, I can only imagine they're like scratching their head going, wow, we didn't know we were going to have to do that. Wow. Okay, so you sent me some photos. I guess this is um, Ken Harrelson, who you're talking about uh, on the screen there. That was him uh, working as an Oath Keeper on January 6th. Uh, so you, uh, have your, like, like you said, you, I didn't realize you were working with Ken Harrelson's team or are you just yeah. covering them? I'm, I'm actually doing both. I'm, I'm covering, uh, I'm covering the, uh, the trial. I will be there. I wasn't there for jury selection. I'm not there right now, but I will be there this weekend and I'll be there for the duration of the trial. So I'll be covering it as a reporter, but I've also been working very closely and helping with, uh, looking and investigating for evidence, looking through the exculpatory videos, and um, I, and even, quite frankly, uh, writing uh, as, a, as, as an asset because, and the reason why I'm doing this, and I, and I shouldn't do that, and I should say this in all in full disclosure, is that I know enough about Ken's case specifically and particularly to know that this is an innocent man and he's innocent of all of the charges that have been brought against him. You know, the 11 or 12 charges that they have stacked against all of these guys, he's included in that list, but he's, if he's guilty of anything, it's, it's that uh, glorified trespassing charge. That's it. He did enter the doors of the Capitol as shown in the video that he filmed. Okay. I want to get to the, uh, the part that I wrote the headline about is, his wife, Ken Harrelson, who is an oath keeper, he was in court today for jury selection, and his wife got to enter the same room as him for the first time in how many months? Yeah, it's been uh, nine, uh, well, been 20, 21 months now, something like that. Wow. Okay, so she passes an illicit note to his attorney. You exclusively got a copy of the note 
that right. created all the concern. Uh, what was it? Secret Service? That no, it was it, it was the U.S. Marshals okay. who actually provide the protection okay. and the transportation of the defendants themselves from the detention center to the courtroom, and and the U.S. Marshals then are responsible for making sure that those defendants are not interacting with anybody, not even their family members. And there's a very unfortunate reasons for that that had to do with the fact that most of these oath keepers have not taken the COVID vaccine. And wow. the the jail system has a tight, uh, unbreakable rule that they can't have interaction with their own family members. And this has been going on. Now he's been in, he has been in the DC Gulag for over 19 months, and in that time period, he's not had a face to face with his wife or any other family member during that entire time because wow. neither one of them are vaccinated. Wow. Okay. So she, so this was a big moment for her being able to be, and for him, I guess, being, be in the same room with yeah. the, the love of their life. So she passes this note. You have a copyright here on your blog, guys. I have linked Steve's blog down in my description. Uh, here it is passing a love letter in federal court, exclusive story from the first day of the Oath Keepers trial in DC. Um, so this this note literally says, hey, my love, you look so good. And that shirt and pants fits you uh, so good. I love you, my love of my life and my king. Love your queen, a.k.a. wife. Such a sweet yeah, she she note. had purchased she had purchased new clothes for him for the trial, obviously. And um, those were, of course, passed on. And she slipped the attorney, his attorney, Brad Geyer, this note and it was still folded and Brad slid the note over in front of Ken. Ken opened it, read it. And right then a U.S. Marshal who was watching all the movements that's going on in the courtroom, he came over and he said, Hey, what are you doing? He grabbed the note. You can't do that. The attorney tried to intervene and said, Hey, you know, we're sorry. We're not trying to cause any problems or whatever, but, but you know, it's just, they haven't, and he, he literally said this. He said, they haven't seen each other. And, you know, over a year and a half, and they just, this is the only way that they could communicate. Well, the U.S. Marshal said, he said, well, I'm sorry, but I feel compelled to notify the court. And so he took the note over, showed it to a couple of other of the marshals there, and then he took it up and handed it to Judge Maida, who when Maida saw the note and heard whatever the, the marshal said to him, he ceased the proceedings in the courtroom and he called uh, Brad uh, Geyer, the Ken Harrelson's attorney up. He also called up one of the prosecuting attorneys for the sidebar, as they call it. So they turn the mic off. They go up there and they have a little exchange, a little discussion. And Judge Maida read the note. And when he read it, thankfully, his heart softened. It really it, did. The background is that this judge has been brutal. Yes, he has. He has been, he has, he's basically dismissing with very, very few exceptions. He's dismissed every motion that they've made for uh, change of venue, for severance of Ken from the having to be tried with the five because his case is so different uh, from uh, every other exculpatory video, evidentiary things that the, that the defense attorneys want to bring in uh, to request for new discovery that the government, 
evidence that they have that has not been allowed up to this point. That he, he's just been, as you said, brutal in just dismissing, dismissing, dismissing everything that they bring to him. But when he saw this note, he softened and he said to the two attorneys, look, this, let's, let's just let this thing go. And, and Brad Geyer, the Ken's attorney said, you know, your honor, we're sorry. We don't, we don't mean to cause anything. Brad thought he was going to get dressed down by the, by the judge because Brad actually being an officer of the court knew better than to hand that note to, um, Ken. The, the defense did. attorney made a big violation. Yeah. I mean, he, he broke the rule and he expected to get, he expected to get dressed down pretty severely, especially because he, and Judge Maida in particular for this last year, it's been over a year that they've been doing preliminary hearings and uh, motions and all of these, uh, you know, legal proceedings. And so they've actually had conflict quite a bit uh, over the, wow. the last year, the, the judge and this particular attorney. And so he expected the attorney, uh, I mean, the, the judge to, to give him the business and he didn't do it. He, he saw that note, his heart softened and he said, Hey, let's, Let's just let this thing go. He looked at the prosecuting attorney. He said, the prosecutor said, yeah, yeah, let's, let's not, let's not do this. And then when, when, uh, the, the attorney, uh, Ken's attorney walked back over and sat down at the desk, he leaned back over to, um, Angel Harrelson, Ken's wife. And he said, he goes, I saved the note for you. <laughs> and so that's why I have a photo of it. But Ken got to read it before it was snapped. Yes. Right? Well, yes. well, that's. Yes. That's sweet, I guess, for him after yeah. being in solitary confinement for that many months. Now, I want to get to the notes on the jury, because as I read from the Associated Press, and you've told me the same, there's a lot of concern about having a fair jury here. And yeah. you, you sent this to me, um, which is one of the jurors that I guess made it through. He made mm -hmm. it. He's going to be on the jury. No, and not necessarily. What they're doing is this is basically an elimination round. They're, they're cutting it down from 151 potential jurors who had filled out questionnaires. And then from the questionnaires themselves, they I think they dismissed uh, about 30 to 35 right off the top that, that either had problems with their schedules or, you know, life issues or that their, their questionnaires were, were so uh, blatantly biased that they were immediately dismissed by the judge. And now they're interviewing one at a time, all the rest. And as they're going through that process, you know, the, the prosecution can object. The defense can object. They're not to their, you know, their strike motions yet. That'll happen when the judge narrows it down to probably, I don't know, 35, 45 uh, potential jurors. And then they go into that round to where, you know, the, the prosecution gets their strikes. The defense attorneys get their strikes. And unfortunately, in this particular case, with almost without exception, every single juror is expressing their bias towards the government's case and are being then asked by the judge, can you dismiss your bias and can you render a fair verdict based upon the evidence? So the judge, unfortunately, is allowing through some of the guys just like this one who have pretty severely stated uh, predisposition towards the Oath Keepers' guilt. So they, they, the jurors admit, I am biased against Oath Keepers. Yes. And the judge just asks and, them to dismiss it, and they say, okay? But, but this is a D.C. jury pool. 
And according to polling from different news sources, depending upon which one you read, the D.C. jury pool is anywhere from 70 percent to 95 percent already predetermined in their minds about the guilt uh, of the, uh, the Oath Keepers. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, what you showed me right here, this guy admits that he believes the Oath Keepers are anti-democracy. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we'll see if there's even an unbiased jury. That's, that's kind of concerning. I want to get to the video you sent me because I, I, my understanding is Oath Keepers are being accused of, of leading in Ken Harrelson being ac- uh, accused of leading the charge in breaking right. through those doors. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the actual claim in the actual um, uh, charging documents, and there, there have of course been superseding documents since then because it wasn't until uh, after these guys had been in jail for ten months that they finally stacked on the seditious conspiracy charge, which wow. is the major, major charge. So in all of their original uh, documents, which I, and I've read them all, is the actual accusations that these gentlemen participated in violence, that they participated in a violent breach of the East Columbus doors, that they participated in opening those doors. And Ivory, all of that is a flat out lie. And it's provable by hundreds of people's videos as a result of that, because the Oath Keepers were not anywhere near the bridge. They were back from the breach. The doors were already open before they ever arrived. We have that all time stamped, and you can see when they arrived. You can see when the doors were open prior to that, many minutes before they arrived. You can see that those uh, more you know nefarious individuals that were participating in forcing the doors to open, that they were in fact nowhere, or that the Oath Keepers were in fact nowhere near them at the time, and then you'll see from this video if you're going to show it that anywhere from 75 to 100 people had already passed through the doors before the oath keepers even reached the door okay so this video was filmed on ken harrelson's iphone so the the accused Mm -hmm. the accused uh, um oath keepers member filmed this himself and it's clear that he is not leading the charge he's behind like hundreds of other people here it is Okay, so that sums it up. We're running out of time now because I'm trying to do shorter videos now. But I wanted to show this last thing you you showed me as a you said it was a narrative buster. This uh, flyer right yeah. here. Tell me what it means. Well, no, uh, virtually nobody in the country has seen this. This this is a flyer that was that was produced by the organizers of the rally that day. And as you can see, there were uh, events happening all day long, all morning long. And one of those staging events, if you look in the far left corner there, it says freedom speakers from 2 or 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Trump himself screwed up the timelines because he he didn't take the stage till an hour after he was supposed to. Then he spoke over time. And then, of course, as we all know, other things ended up happening that day that blew that completely apart. There ended ended up not being that. But if you can see from all these events, there were just speakers and stages and marches and, and you know, typical protest rally type things that were planned by the org- organizers in 
conjunction with the Trump administration, there was no plan for an insurrection. And the Oath Keepers themselves, and particularly Ken Harrelson, had no part in any planning whatsoever whatsoever for any nefarious uh, activities that day. No violence. No, uh, he, you know, he was not armed. As I said, said before, he wasn't even wearing, you know, tactical gear as some of the other, other Oath Keepers were doing. But those other Oath Keepers who were wearing the tactical gear had been down at the uh, ellipse providing and working with the Secret Service inside the security barrier at the ellipse, working with them, providing security at the main stage. Wow. Well, it's not the first time a scene like this has taken a uh, place in the capital city. I want to—I no. just want to show you 2018 a little bit. 2018, anti-Kavanaugh. Gotta Have you ever seen anything like this? Well, I'll tell you this. You're usually not allowed on those stairs. You're not allowed up there. We did see the night he was nominated. There was a peaceful court. The justices don't like to be looked at as a political branch. Mm-hmm. And that's why several of them must have. They are not allowed. What is going on? About so that. it happened with Cam- Kavanaugh, too. But my understanding is uh, when they were protesting Kavanaugh, they didn't get locked in prison no. for a year plus without a trial, without being able to see anyone. Uh, but when you protest Biden, that happens. And those who attacked the actual White House when Trump was in there and had actually attacked and fought with Secret Service agents on the White House, you know, ground, they weren't uh, put away. Wow. When did that happen? I wasn't even aware of that. Oh, yeah. This was back uh, in the early days of the Trump administration. Wow. Yeah. So it just it just does seem really um, like a one sided situation. Um, thanks for shedding some light on the other side. I appreciate, yeah. uh, appreciate you coming on my show and doing that and let me know how that goes once you get to DC and covered in yeah. person. I will. All right. Okay. Real quick, check the comments before we head out. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, let's read some comments. Now. Cameras need to be put in the federal courts. It's BS. I agree. I agree with that. Right. I mean, people, you know, people were complaining about um, how the Johnny Depp, uh, the Johnny Depp lawsuit with Amber Heard was, had all the coverage. Well, that's because the cameras were there. Without cameras, you don't you don't get a lot, as much coverage, you know. But so, that was not a federal criminal trial. So that's the difference. Exactly. Federal cases, no camera. So um, hopefully that changes soon and we can shed light, shed light everywhere. All right. Thanks so much, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ivory. All right. Bye.